All right, we're, we're uh, on the air now. All right, very good. So today is uh, Monday, October 25th, 2021. Uh, this is podcast, what are we, on nine now? Uh, yeah, we are on nine. Wow, uh, time flies when you're having fun. Hey. <clears throat> we're brought to you by Mountaintop Media, and uh, um, we, uh, man, uh, we're starting to iron out the kinks on our podcast here. I think it's getting better. We're getting con- better contact uh, content. Yeah, we're getting better. Yeah, yeah, we want you to uh, hit the like button if you like what you see, and uh, you know if you like the content, please share it and smash the bell. The smash yeah. the bell. bell. I like that. Instant notifications. And uh, let's start off with that clip, uh, Eli, of uh, of uh, brought to you by Pfizer. I think that's a that's a good place to start. I didn't really uh, set before we ago. do. Let's put uh, the phone number out there if you want to call in. The number oh. is five three zero two five five. Eight zero six three. All right. I don't have that. I'll have to write that down. Two five five. It, the one that says "brought to you by Pfizer." It's a little short clip about uh, about a minute. There's another one that's the drug companies. That's JP Sears. You don't want to do that one yet. Just do the the, the, the short one. We just want to kind of tee it up here a little bit. Has brought you. Yeah. Alrighty then, here we go. Brought to you by Pfizer. Good morning, America. <laughs> CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This letter report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports <laughs> update brought to you by wedding. Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Wow. Wow. No conflict of interest there, huh? <laughs> Gee, where That's we get, crazy. Where are we getting all of our information <laughs> from? Uh, take the vax, get the jab. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, we'll get a little more into that later. How crazy uh, is that? Uh, I think the next one I want to key up, and then we'll talk about our lo- local board of supervisors, is go ahead and key that one up. This was our board of supervisors meeting on the 19th on, um, on Tuesday of last week. And uh, it's about three minutes because that's what they allow you to do is three minutes. And and uh, this is yours truly. I think uh, this is a pretty good uh, video. And uh, let's play it. And uh, and then we'll start talking about it. You know, uh, facts. The FDA has not approved this vaccine. Big Pharma is making billions. Another There's no liability under the, uh, the uh, emergency unit. Uh, Section 8558 is, 
part of that law saying what an emergency is. Right? Do we all agree with that, Council? No? <clears throat> so, we also talked a lot about jurisdiction here today. We can't do anything. We can't end the emergency. Well, this is out of the governor's declaration. This is section 7 and 8. The 30-day time period in which in health and safety code section, I'm not going to say the section, within a local governing authority must renew a local health emergency. It's hereby waived for the duration of the statewide emergency. Any such local health emergency will remain in effect until each local governing authority terminates it, respective local health emergency. That tells me that you guys have the power to terminate this emergency any time you choose. and the governor's not even following his own mandates. Okay? Section 8. The 60-day time period in the government code, 8630, within which local government authority must renew a local emergency is hereby waived for the duration of this statewide emergency. Any local emergency proclaimed will remain in effect until each local governing authority terminates its respective terminates it respective local, its respective local emergency. You guys have the power to terminate this emergency anytime you want. Your council either doesn't know what he's talking about, hasn't read the thing. Have you guys read this? Maybe you need to read it again. Because you guys can stop this anytime you want with a vote on the board. It's up to you. You do have the power. This jurisdictional crap in the money is exactly that. Bullshit. Uh, Jen Feeney, there you have it. Good enough. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I think that's probably our guy. Uh, well, I told him to text me. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got that. He might be outside. He might be out, outside. I don't know. Maybe someone uh, can go guess. look. But, uh, uh, yeah, maybe go take a look and see what we got going here. And so, anyway, the reason that's important is that, you know, this whole uh, reason that there's a recall going on in the locally is that uh, Leonard Modi, uh, for one, and uh, the other two, Rickards and, uh, and Cimente, uh, they, they seem to keep forming this voting block uh, against everybody else's wishes, including the public's. And... Uh, so this this uh, recall did go through, and uh, Modi Modi got recalled, and there will be an election. And I want to talk about the response uh, here from Mr. Modi. Uh, it says here, I took an oath as a Reading police officer 44 years ago, swearing faithfully to serve my community, to protect and defend the Constitution. This guy is so disingenuous. He has never once talked about the Constitution. He has never once cited the Constitution. He has never once protected the Constitution in his capacity as a supervisor since I've been going there, and it's been I've been going there for a long time. So the, the real deal is that this guy's disingenuous. He's a liar, and that's why he's being recalled, and he was the number one target. But when we go uh, down to the bottom, you know, after, you can read the whole thing if you want. It talks about what a great guy he is to himself. And, uh, 
you know, and he's talking about, I have work to move our county forward. Yeah, you know, it's all about the money. If you went back there, there's three clips that I want to try to put together. The first clip is, you know, we yell out in the crowd, hey, it's all about the money. And he comes back with, no, it's not about the money. Then when in the afternoon after the recess, they come back and uh, and then uh, Chimente asks, uh, how, how much money is on the table if we if we stop this emergency? Oh, $42 million comes back from the council. Well, it's not really about the money, then, is it? I mean, we're kind of concerned with the $42 million, you know. And then they talk about jurisdictional issues. Oh, we can't do anything. It's out of our jurisdiction. We have to follow the state mandates no matter what. But if you go back to those code sections that I cited, you'll see that these guys can end this emergency anytime they want. They have not overwhelmed services, which is uh, the section, right. the California code section is 8558B, if you want to look it up. Uh, you, you can Google Governor Newsom's declared emergency and go down to 7 and 8, and it tells you they have the power to end the emergency. What they're doing is they're setting this emergency up so that it does overwhelm services. Because yes. what happens if you mandate... What happens if you mandate that everybody in the health industry gets a shot and then about half of them quit? Now we got a little bit of a spike going on here because their vaccine, you know, vaccine is going wild. And I think they're, they're the ones that are spreading this thing, in my opinion, uh, because the more the vaccine, if you look at the data, the more that the vaccine is is used, the higher the case amounts wherever you're at. Right. You, you go to India, it's not so much. Uh, so they didn't use any vaccines at all, went with the ivermectin, and they have no caseload at all. It's gone. And so, so the point being is that if we are starting to see a, a spike for whatever reason in the uh, caseload, then you then mandate that people have to get the shot, whether they like it or not, and half of the force in the hospitals, you know, quit or say they're not going to get it. Uh, is it a lot easier to overwhelm the services? Yeah. So even if we aren't getting the services overwhelmed, they, the way they're going is they're, you're going to get the services <laughs> overwhelmed across the board because this is a nationwide mandate. <laughs> so going back to Leonard Modi, and then we'll introduce our guest, Matt, <laughs> who came in just a little bit late, so we weren't sure. Uh, I did see your, your message coming in, but I was right in the middle of it. All good. But uh, so... I want to read the bottom of this uh, from him. So with respect to everyone's right to, uh, to voice in our political process, and this is Modi speaking, this was his response to the recall, I will spend these next few months telling the truth about my service. Now, I'll tell you one thing I've discovered with these uh, disingenuous uh, Marxists, communists, rhinos, all of them in the political arena. Whatever they say that you're doing, they're doing it. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's been from the beginning. From yeah. the beginning. Yeah. On everything. If they're saying you're lying, I guarantee you they're lying. Uh, so what this says is, I will spend the next few months telling the truth about my service. Well, uh, okay, so that, <laughs> we already know that's a lie. Because uh, we've done enough homework to know that's a lie. The, okay, my record as a conservative leader and the progress we are making in Shasta County. Number one, he says he's a conservative, then why do all the Marxists support him? Why do, why do all the left-wing bomb throwers, I mean, the Nathan, what's his name, the, the whole Anu's Cafe with, uh, with uh, the liberal off the charts. Well, all of his actions show that he's not a conservative he has time a, and time again. He's, He's followed every mandate to the letter yeah. with no protests from Governor Newsom. At what point in time when you're doing everything that a Marxist or a, a leftist or a progressive does, do you go, hey, I, I, I might say I'm a conservative, but at what point do you go, 
Eh, not so much. Okay, where's that line? I'm telling you, this guy is because you couldn't get elected in Shasta County if you didn't say you were conservative. You have to say you're a conservative, even if you're a closet liberal or a Marxist. So then here he goes into the people that recalled him. These people have cast a dark shadow over our community <laughs> by spreading lies and misinformation to divide and tear us apart. Stop. Really? <laughs> Who's been spreading the lies? They said that we were getting dark money. They didn't even know who we were. They tried to connect the dots with us and and uh, and Carlos Zapata. We have nothing. We had. I didn't even really know Carlos at that point. Right. And oh, by the way, she's the treasurer, and I'm the chairman of the recall. And Nobody's ever contacted me and asked me we're anything. Under, we're, we're under criminal investigation. We're like. God, you'd think that somebody would come in and talk to us if we were under criminal investigation. And dark money, my question to her was, what's dark money? <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. even know what that means. How, what is the, there's actually a definition of dark money if you look it up. Yeah, there is. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know what it was. Okay. Uh, maybe I, I didn't know what it was, so I was getting dark money from someplace I didn't know where it was coming from. I don't know. And, and so to divide and tear us apart. No, that's really, I mean, what we said is we were going to recall these guys based on a course correction, their past records, following the mandates. Uh, no, no, locking us out of the chambers, locking, not having their meetings, not standing up to their oaths. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that they did, and uh, I'm feeling mad in kind of as we go a little bit here, uh, that he might not be aware of is, so they closed all the the, the chamber doors. We couldn't oh, get in. Oh, took the seats out. They took the <laughs> seats out. So when they let us in, there was no place to sit down. I mean, that's like sophomoric. You know, and so so it was just one thing after the other, you know, locking the door chambers, doing Zoom meetings, canceling meetings. One of the, the things that he did, uh, they did, because it's three to two on every vote in this last round with the medical. Oh, yeah, we want to come in and hear your, your grievances, but we'll cancel the meeting at the last minute because we really don't want to hear yeah. your grievances. Okay? Uh, so spreading lies, disinformation and tearing us apart. Uh, let's see. Everybody's got to get vaxxed. If you don't wear your mask, uh, you know, you're, you're a second-class citizen. Doesn't We don't care about sovereign immunity, all of that stuff. You do as we tell you, and that's it. The next one. <laughs> Here's his next line. They have threatened, bullied, and even assaulted members of our community. Okay, so so one of the gals who's the leader of the recall, uh, uh, Alyssa McHugh, and I'm not going to say Elizabeth, <laughs> uh, they showed up at her house, a couple of cops investigating her for the recall activity. Who investigates somebody for a recall activity? And I'm still trying to figure out which one of us intimidated somebody or bullied somebody. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't I done get, anything well, like that. Okay, let's let's just say that maybe Carlos Zapata did something. <laughs> He's how, not. How is that us? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That's the point. See, they're always constantly trying to 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 just you know to. Uh, associate something that is bad so that they can, uh, you know, discredit us. That's what they've done since, since yeah. the beginning, you know. So when I read this letter, you know, it it's just makes me so angry that I can't even tell you. Well, and also, you know, the recall is our right. That is part of our process if we're not happy with something. It's not like we drum, you know, dream this out of nowhere. So they did this. This is our constitutional right. We're supposed to do this. We're doing it legally. No? Yeah. Okay, so so the last part of that, and then we'll move on and, and talk to Matt here. The last part of that was the wraparound smear. 
They get up out on the front steps of the courthouse and they say, these guys are getting dark money. They're under investigation for criminal activity. Blah, 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 blah. And then Mike, uh, Mike Mangas, he's, that's my new name and for him is Mangas, is he records all this and that, that runs it to the newspaper and to the, the local Marxist news cafe. And they say that, look, they're all under criminal investigations. And then the, then the board comes back and points to the paper and says, see, they're under criminal investigation. Yeah. Wait a minute. Because you said we were? We called down. You called down. Yeah. And said, hey, are we? In, is there an investigation going yeah, on? Yeah, I actually called it's the It's like DA. us. And we, yeah. we, we would sort of like to know if, you know, if there's a problem Yeah, I'd like here. to know if I'm under investigation Have we something. done anything wrong? And they're like, no, nah, there's no investigation going on. We're not, we're not sure what you're talking about. And the, the guys that came over and, and went over and tried to bully uh, Alyssa and Ronin mm-hmm. were from the local DA's office. Why, why uh, would they even be interested in somebody who filed for a recall? It's interesting. Yeah. So everything this guy is saying is exactly what they were doing. That's why when I say... These guys are so transparent. It's called projecting. They project everything onto everybody else exactly what they're doing. Dark money, hmm, cr- criminal. Well, yeah, you got to wonder about I that one. Anyway, so. Before we get to our guests, <laughs> I, I just want to say. Got on a rant you, you, there. You know, know. Um, if nothing could be done, how come other counties are actually uh, taking votes and not doing the mandate? You got a lot of counties in California that is standing up against the governor and saying, "No, we're not going to comply with this." They could all opt out of this emergency Ex- yeah. if they wanted to. If there wasn't so many, if strings, they had the strings with the money, if they had the balls to do it, at least they could make a stand and say that we're, we we will not enforce these mandates in our county. Right. That would be at the very least, even if they don't have any lawful. Wait, but they do have a way to end the emergency. And exactly. By the, and by the definition of what an emergency is, we're, we don't even qualify. No services are overwhelmed. So, And with that. I'll let you introduce our guest. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Michael Plummer. Matt. 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 Yeah. Matt Hi. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the one. It's okay. I don't know why I get Michael stuck in my head, well, but okay. I was called there. Mark the other day. So. I, yeah, well, there you have it. The M-words. Yeah, oh, goes together. It's just kind of like Elizabeth and Alyssa. I don't know. Uh, oh, At least yeah, I didn't say. I didn't say. He's my best friend. He's not my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never hear the end of that crap. <laughs> so anyway, we want to welcome you in the studio. I'm not sure. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on, and then we'll just take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And I'm talking, uh, I want to talk to you all about something that I think is an opportunity in, in the midst of, you know, what is a pretty divisive time in our county, in our state and in our nation to talk about something that could unite us, which is, you know, um, a, a ballot measure around school choice that would allow <clears throat> parents to have a voice in where public funding for education goes and to follow students to the school of their choice. And so we are kicking off the effort. Um, you know, it's it's been in the works for two and a half years and now has reached the point of getting approval from the Secretary of State and a title and a summary, which means that we are aiming to have it on the ballot in November 2022, so next November, that you'll be able to vote that 
would say yes or no, do I want to allow public dollars to follow the student? And so that's we're in the process of trying to get that on the ballot and get one, one million signatures statewide in order to make that a reality and put that up for vote for people because there's a lot of support for it for, based on what we've seen from the right. polls. So the money would actually follow the child, not just go to the county, so to speak, or the school district? Right. And there's three scenarios in which it you know, would affect if you're going to public school and you continue to go to public school or a charter school, everything stays the same. But if you decide to go to a private school, the funds could flow to that private school. And so those paying, you know, whatever amount they will, they'll get a certain portion of that. And now it's $14,000 per kid per year. If you're participating in an independent study program that's connected to a school, so for example, my girls go to Reading School of the Arts and they have an independent study program, then you can use a portion of that or, you know, depending on how big the expenses are, um, a portion of that to pay for educationally approved expenses. If you are in a homeschool program where you have just a private school affidavit and you're homeschooling in your home and you're not connected to another institution, then you can't use the money, but you get to accrue it in an educational savings account so that that can, you know, amount to 150, 200,000 over the course of, and that you know, money's coming from the, from the county or the state from the state. Yeah. This is all what's known as proposition 98. So proposition 98 was a, a, a ballot measure a number of years ago that basically said that 38% of the state's revenue must go to education. Okay. And so those dollars, it's splitting those across all the school-aged children K through 12 and then giving them that amount. Who uh, who drafted the legislation uh, or is it or is it drafted I guess is the question. Yeah, the it's drafted in what's known as the Educational Freedom Act and Michael Alexander is the head of the California School Choice Foundation which has been the the driver behind this effort. There's a number of folks involved uh, including Dale Bruce is another key funder of it, and he's you know head of the chairs, uh, and then Todd Madison. So there's a handful of folks um, based. The headquarters of this effort is based down in Southern California and Pasadena, but we have county chairs kind of across the whole state and, and building each week. Okay. So when you say uh, goes like into a savings account, when or how can a person use it? So a parent would, if a parent's deciding that they don't want their children to go to the public school, Mm -hmm. then they can request an educational savings account. And then the funds will be put into that account. And then say they Mm -hmm. go to a private school, they would notify the, um, you know, the, the, the account basically managers and say, hey, my child's going to the school. The school would notify them as well so that there's both points of connection and then the funds would flow to the school for that student. wonder if they were um, homeschooled but not connected to anything, how would, would they have access to it? So they're not, they're not allowed to use the funds right in that moment, mm-hmm. but they would save them and then they could use them up until the point that the child is 30 years old for any type of post-secondary okay. or vocational school, trade school, those types of things. Oh, okay. Um, so- they can't release the funds until they're connected to a educational institution that they are getting some type of service from. Boy, I would have loved that when I was homeschooling when my youngest was little. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it would have come in handy later on because we weren't tied. I wasn't tied to any school. But then after he was old enough to go to college or something or trade school or mm-hmm. something, that would have came in pretty handy i'm uh i've got the uh 
website pulled up here, CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. Uh, if I'll tell you what, if they want to get more conservatives on their on board with this, uh, the tagline there I would change dramatically just because of the connotations. It says school choice is the greatest social justice issue of our time, and I'll tell you what, social justice is a bad uh, puts a bad taste in a lot of conservatives' mouth. Just so you know, but uh, uh, but I haven't had time to research it, so I'm not going to judge prejudge it by that. Other than you know, social justice yeah, has a, a lot of. It's a uh, loaded term. It is a very loaded term. I think what the, and the heart behind that is that you know right now there is school choice for those who have the funds to pay for private sure, school right. and move their kids out, yeah. and that's what we've seen. We've seen you know last year there was a mass exodus from the public school system. I think it's around one hundred eighty thousand. I think you're going to see uh, even more, especially as these mandates go on. So. I would expect so too. Yeah, yeah and so. Right now, we have a system where the the wealthy are able to move their kids out of public school if they choose for whatever reason, whether quality or because they don't agree with the curriculum or it's not safe. Currently, we're the last our California is last in the nation in safety of public school system. Oh, I totally believe it. I mean, we've pulled That's ours scary. out for several different reasons. One, we don't like the curriculum. The other thing is the critical CRT. I mean, that's just a, that that is the worst thing I've ever seen based on, you know, the reports and I haven't read it exactly. So I don't know, you know, but when you just start telling white kids that they're inferior simply because they're white, I mean, that seems to be the gist of the critical race theory. That in itself, I think, is pulling a lot of the kids out. Of and the, the sex education piece. That I have a real issue with the sex. Ed- and I don't have any kids in California school system. Uh, my grandkids are in Colorado and Missouri. But the problem is anything California does, they adopt almost immediately. And they already have the CRT. They have the sexual well, that's education piece. Too. See, that's coming down yeah, on and, high. Yeah. And the, well, that's what you what, hear is just frightening. It's frightening. Well, we should get the federal government out of this. You know, right. They, we didn't even have a board of education or, or the, uh, the, the Department of Education. And what was it, 67, 68? I don't even, I have to look it up. There was no, they didn't have any control over the schools with the money period before. And it was the parents and the state, at least the state and the representatives were closer to the parents. Now they they just hand it down from on high, you know, like common core. What a joke. I mean, I've gone through the, uh, my, my kids, uh, homework. It's like, so it's like, this reminds me of when I was, uh, learning how to do taxes. Okay. So this is Common Core. Uh, uh, this is an anecdotal, anecdotal. How do you say that? Ana- <laughs> anecdotal. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> story about uh, as it would relate. Okay, so me and my buddy were taking these courses. I don't remember exactly what the class was on, but it was a a tax course, and uh, from one of the you know uh, premier tax uh, teachers in in the state, you know California. Uh, enrolled agent society, and uh, so we were sitting there and we're we're studying. You know, we're by the side, and my friend is drawing little aliens because they're talking about you know what you do with alien tax returns, and he's drawing little aliens with antennas and stuff. You know, we're we're watching this thing, and and uh, they went through this big huge calculation. Oh, X Y Z to the third power times ten. Boom, 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 and there's your number. Well, we looked at that and. After two uh, two equations, it was ten percent every single time. 
So these guys would write a number, and we would have the answer before they even did the uh, the calculation because they go, like, what are, you, what are you guys, geniuses? No, it's 10%. Why would I, why would I go through this big, huge cal? And that's Common Core in a nutshell. Instead of teaching people how to solve problems quickly and efficiently, they're more interested in the calculation of the problem, mm-hmm. even if the answer doesn't change. So is it right? It. I was going to say, it doesn't even have to be right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So now it's okay to understand equations on how they flow. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing as much as I'm saying that under Common Core, they're more worried about the equation, whether they get the right answer or not. That's a problem. Well, we know that there's a problem in terms of the the quality of the education. I mean, back in the 50s and 60s, California was basically top in the nation in yeah, no, education. Like 49th, uh, I, keep <laughs> yeah, it, it, I keep wondering who's 50. <laughs> I mean, it fluctuates depending on what you're looking at, but anywhere from 38 to in the 40s. Right. But but yeah, and you know, the, it's been obviously a long journey since then, and there's been a number of causes for that that we could attribute it to. But the reality is, either way, we need to get back to. We should be leading the nation on educational quality, and and we believe that creating an environment which you know i think you two would agree with where there's some competition yes. and yes. there's incentives to deliver a quality service to our kids right. that that will improve education and in fact that's what we've seen in places where these programs have been implemented that not only do kids who cho- opt into the school choice program benefit but also kids in the public school system also benefit that public schools actually improve the quality of the education where, where, where are the teachers unions on this have you have you got any input from them <laughs> uh we haven't but i think the answer would be uh, quite Probably, clear that yeah, they would be against, against it. it yeah yeah because i mean even during this pandemic they they weren't interested in getting the kids back to school not really they were interested in actually extending the emergency is my understanding now you know, I got but in this plan, you could get maybe better involvement with the teachers, not the teachers' union. What I'm saying is, I, we need to get, we need to get the politics out of this. Is right? Yeah, point. but I'm, what I'm saying is that you would, because of the competition, you would maybe produce better teachers, not the union, in order to teach our children, because it would be based upon that their income could increase. I, I'm so their I, rewards could increase. Well, and that's With, what they found is that the, yeah. the average salary of teachers when these programs are implemented actually goes up, uh, not necessarily in the public school system, but right, overall. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, well, sure, you which want attracts to, better the, talent. Yeah. The teachers are the same as the students. I mean, if you reward bad behavior, you're going to get bad behavior, <laughs> and that's what we've been doing. We've been rewarding bad behavior, uh, and I think getting rid of all of the unions as far as the public sector, I mean, the private sector obviously you have a choice but the public sector sector is so politically skewed with their money towards the politicians that we're electing that it's hard to get anything that's comprehensive other than political crap you know i mean mean, look what they're teaching you know critical race theory they're teaching you know uh, social justice you know which is a pet peeve of mine because what does that mean social justice i mean it depends on how you define it right exactly so so i mean but does it, it sounds good it's social, and it's justice, but does social justice mean that critical race theory is valid? I would argue that they say it is. Well, yeah, is back to justice. who's defining it. Right. That's yeah. why I think they may, may, might want to revise the, the, the tagline there. And, and we need to do more research on this. I'm not totally sold on it yet, but we want to get – we're scratching the surface, and this legislation is now – 
uh, not set to get a vote until like what twenty twenty two. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's not even guaranteed to be on the ballot. Right. So we need to over the next six months, we basically have to get those signatures, and then if it crosses that in a million threshold, as we're you know we're beginning, I think in California to be more accustomed to this idea of the signature process. So then it will be you know those signatures will be checked, of course, by right. the Secretary of State, and if there's Verified. a um, over you know it's just under a million is the threshold. So then then that will show up on the ballot. And, you know, what we've seen is that in polling, especially when people are educated about what this is, that a large portion of people across all political affiliations are supportive of it, which I think is encouraging overall to see, you know, that California Californians um, expect that we should be able to do better on education and believe that giving parents more of an opportunity to have a voice in that right. um, yeah. and, and creating a system where there is, you know, an interest and incentive to do well, well there should, there well. should be, uh, you should have school choice. There's no question about it. Yeah. You should be able to put your kids in uh, to a curriculum that you like and feel comfortable with. I mean, uh, you know, that's what we've done, but it's costing us money. I'm paying property taxes, so I'm paying double. I'm paying mm-hmm. double. I got my kids going to school, and I and I and I'll work an extra job. I'll do dishes at night, not to send them to public school at this point. Okay, so it's a hardship on us. There's no question. And if I'm paying property taxes, it's not fair that I should pay those property taxes and have to pay to send them to another school uh, because the other ones are so crappy, or they're going to get mandated or vaxxed or you know. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole nine yards because there's too much power over these schools. From the political arena, whether it's Washington or the state or in California, being very left-wing and liberal, uh, we could talk about that, too. It used to be a very conservative state, and uh, and I'm not sure exactly what happened. I'm, I don't trust the voting anymore, that's for sure, looking at the last election. And, and just from that perspective, you know, you look at what happened not just in this recall with Governor Newsom, but in the overall election, the common my common sense, right or wrong, tells me Trump didn't lose, and I'll tell you why. It's it's just common sense. Is is Joe Biden the most popular president in the history of the country? Look around. I mean, he didn't even he didn't even campaign. He stayed in his basement. Okay, it, you know how do you get ten or twelve million more votes than uh, voters? If you look it up, he's like 10 million over-registered voters. Trump got 10, 12 million more than than uh, uh, he did before. See, so, so right, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, I'd like to see a fair voting process, but I don't trust the voting process at all anymore, which means I don't trust the vote in California anymore, you know? So, so, so that's, that's where we're headed with all of this, is if you keep the parents out of this, and now they don't trust the government. Trust the they don't trust the vote. They don't trust a lot of things. You know, that's why people are leaving in droves. Yeah, I mean, that, that's obviously problematic because even if we feel that the, you know, and even if folks feel that the, the political process or civic engagement process is not working properly, if they choose to withdraw from it, there's no chance of improving it. Well, and so, 
you know, I'm encouraged to see, you know, in, in a variety of, you know, all different kinds of shapes and forms that people across the state, and I was part of a gubernatorial campaign uh, in the recall election and got to see, you know, around the state, people are getting involved. Right. And that's what, you know, what regardless of, of yeah. where you stand, well, that's what that's what we need is for people to be involved. And that's another benefit of the school choice initiative is that what we see is that when parents have a choice, they actually get more involved right. in their child's education in the school. And so that can only be a positive. Positive too, because I, I totally invested. agree. That's what's happening with the recall efforts. That's what's happening locally with the recall efforts. Is that people have figured out in this thing, you know, this experiment of self governance that, you know, if you don't want to be ruled over by evil men, that you better get involved. I and mean, what's the old uh, saying? Uh, All it takes for evil to pros- prosper is, is good men do nothing. You know, and we've been doing nothing for a long time. And now everybody's starting to go, wait a minute now. I think this was a big wake-up call with the Vax thing because it's like, hey, what happened to my body, my choice? You know, now, now, you know, and I heard Dan Bongino this morning say, gee, you know, if you, you know, basically, if you lose the, the, the ability to choose what goes into your body, you're no longer free, period, because that's hit. That's that's crap. That's yeah. Nazi crap. You know, I mean, that's what they did in World War Two to some of the Jews. They did experiments on them and all kinds of stuff. Well, you know? guys, we got some stuff. Uh, people making comments and asking questions on oh. Facebook. Wow, I didn't. So know yeah, who knew. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's um, good. That's good. Uh, well, one is why are we giving the state or feds control over the education system over our kids? That's a good well, question. Well, we kind of fell asleep, and we allowed that to happen, in my opinion, back in the 50s and 60s when things were. Well, and I think part of it is, you know, uh, funding leads to control. And whoever, where the yeah. funding comes yeah. from, there's that's where control is. And so public dollars are paying for educa- public education, and so that's where control comes from. And this is intending to try to tilt the balance back towards more of, you know, a, a right-sized situation where if parents have the opportunity to control where funding flows then they have more authority over the education system. And then one is how about using it for a program like California Adventure Academy? So as far as I know, the California Adventure Academy is not tied to kind of an accredited educational institution. So you wouldn't be able to use those funds directly. You would still be able to accrue those funds. Right. But you but but there's going to be some adjustments in the process if this does go forward. Because people are going to see that, recognize that there's money there that they can fund their schools with, and maybe they do what it takes and jump through some hoops to get accredited. Yeah, totally possible. Yeah, and even, you know, there's an expectation that a number of charter schools will convert to private schools. Because charter schools, you know, in their core have wanted to have more freedom to innovate and do things differently than the public school system, but have also wanted the public dollars. And so if they can get the public dollars, but have even a greater degree of freedom, we expect that. But you could also have, there's a lot of schools that could credit another school, you know, like the adventure. If you have accredited school, they could bring aboard that school, correct? It's possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure the specific details of what that would require, but it's definitely, you know, I think it it opens the field for innovative ways that, you know, organizations can structure themselves to either receive these funds directly or through other institutions. Yeah, because I would think it would be kind of along the lines like um, universities do. You know, you can go to um, University of Phoenix 
you know, for an example, here in California, like online or whatever, you can, you know, they have annex in different states. It's not like you have to go to Arizona necessarily, you know, and they go across state lines. As far as I know, you can be credited in what, from another state, do you know that? Right, yeah, the private school accreditation can be done at a national level or outside of the state. They need kind of just that certificate that they're an educational right. institution. So that, yeah, it could p- potentially exist, you know, be coming from a different accrediting body outside of the. Right. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's a number of different ways that it can be done. You know? Yeah. So that opens the door for a lot of different ways it can be dealt with down the road. Yeah, I'm reading it right now. I got it pulled up off of their, uh, and it's, I think, a summary. And I think the full text is here. You can go to the uh, californiaschoolchoice.org, and you can look at the text. I'm kind of going through it a little bit. Uh, We need, obviously, a little more time to digest everything. Uh, So if after somebody looks into it, if they want to sign on the dotted line, so to speak, where would they go on that website? Where where would they go? So we are going to begin uh, signing events. So it has to, you like the got other the petitions, petitions out yet. So I they're mean. being printed kind of as we okay, speak. Right. And so we should be getting them in the mail, you know, this week or early next week. Uh, and then, you know, like the other kind of ballot measures slash recall processes, you have to sign on a physical piece of paper. You know, it can't be done online. So, but what I would encourage people to do now before that happens is go to the website, californiaschoolchoice.org slash join. Can anybody sign or do they have to be registered voters? They have to be registered voters. And the, like these other, you know, recalls and everything, um, if you're signing the one in Shasta County, you have to be registered in Shasta County. Okay. So there are, like, if you're in, Tehama County, you know, you can sign one, but it has to be the Tehama County oh, one. So they're done by county, not by, by county. state. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So where, uh, are you, where are you from? I'm I'm originally from the East Coast, but uh, I've I lived in Redding. I was yeah. trying to get to the accent because it's, it's Tehama. Tehama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was figuring like New Jersey, New York, somewhere. Yes, New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a few words still come out a little strange. But... <laughs> yeah, I've got clients in uh, in uh, New Jersey. Well, it's an interesting concept, and maybe I don't know. People need to do their homework, but we do need to get the education away from the federal government and the government. Period. I I'm you know. completely for that. That's why I'm very interested in this. I'm also very cautious and tentative about anything I haven't read, examined closely, and I don't trust anything anymore. I mean, I, when I start not trusting the vote, you know, it's like, uh, wow, what's going on, you know? Uh, so, Well, and, and you have to be careful of the ballot measures because, um, you know, we had one uh, uh, several years ago that was named uh, something along the lines of like healthy or or safe streets and schools act. And that was the one that raised the, uh, the line for misdemeanors to $950 so that, you know, people who commit those crimes are released back on with a, you know, and and so it's like, okay, be careful of the, the naming. And, and, you know, similarly, the, the you know our group doesn't get to decide on the name the secretary of state gives it the name and you know 
as as you would probably expect, it wasn't a super. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what. Here's my theory. Flattering name. Here's, but... here's my theory. Anything they say it is, it's the opposite. Like <laughs> social insecurity. Uh, you know, you can just go right down the. You know the the the, the uh, what's the new the new the, the better build back better. <laughs> you know you're screwed. Shovel ready. <laughs> well, just any kind of an act. I mean, I've seen that it's usually almost the opposite of what they say it is. So you know you gotta you gotta look at these things. Yeah, but their titles are like you say are so good sometimes. You know. Like safe if, school. Well, like if, they, if you don't vote for it, you well, don't they, care yeah, about exactly. the children. If you know, they tar- titled it. You know the uh, the uh, Marxist agenda. Uh, you know we're going to burn your kids. Uh, you know education. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, we do who, have who, a who caller. Vote? Oh, we have a caller. We wow. have a caller. We got a caller on the line. I'm not sure who it is yet, but uh, wow. We're starting. All right. we're st- see, this is all. We're just getting started. Good morning here, to so the caller. We're polishing this up here a little bit. This is our, this is our first All right. caller. Yeah, good you, morning, you, caller. Who yeah. are you? Do we got a prize? <laughs> are you there? Maybe the prize is you get to talk on air. <laughs> well, probably no when we hear the voice, but I don't hear a voice. I have yet. a, I have a are you there? suspicion. I know who it is, but. <laughs> you may be totally wrong. I may know. Caller, stand by. We're getting to you. Uh, we're getting there. We're working on it. And again, I'm not throwing stones at you at any of this stuff, just as much as I'm examining things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the imperative for all voters is that we should take a critical eye to these things and see, you know, does this align and do the research. And (laughs) does it do what it says? Whoever it is, if they're on the line, it is working now. Yes, it is. is. Okay, because Mark was was talking and I didn't want to interrupt him. Oh, well, you're on the air, Terry. Oh, I am? Okay, because I couldn't hear on my end. I apologize. There's a big delay in the call here. Oh, well, we're working at it. (laughs) So what you got? Okay, anyway, the the question I have is that, you know, we're talking about a ballot measure that goes on the ballot uh, in November of 2022, I think. And then after that, you would have to do an Article 18, California Constitution, um, Section 3 amendment. So it's two processes. It isn't just one get this done because you'd have to amend the california constitution you're looking at about three or four years that's my first question my second question is why in the world are we trying to are, are we trusting the state of california with any more of our money and my third question is why in the world are we looking at something that is going to be probably i mean these attorneys and people working on us probably aren't free you guys must have some sort of fund you're collecting money in. is that is that true so maybe I'll answer the 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 second question. So I guess to answer the last question, there is um, private dollars from people who are working on it and kind of putting in their own money to to make this happen, and they've been involved for two and a half years working on this. They are you know collecting funds, but in my role, my primary role in Shasta County is just collecting signatures. So you know eventually, you know, and I, you know once it gets we get over the signature line, there will be some effort to promote this and increase awareness, at which point there would be, um, you know, the opportunity to contribute. Um, in terms of giving the state more money, we're not, this would not require any additional funds from taxpayers to contribute to this. In fact, we have seen in other states that when these programs are implemented, it actually drives down the cost of education. And so this would be just giving, changing who has authority over where those funds are spent. Yeah, who and, controls the money? Is the state, does the state control the money? 
the well, this would give the opportunity for the parents to say where that money goes. So okay. that would be the change. Right now, the state says, okay, we give the money to the schools, mm-hmm. and we can make whatever strings attached to that that we want. And parents have limited ability to have any say over where that money goes and what strings are attached to it. And this would be saying, no, the parents now have the opportunity to say, we want to take that money and, and put it into a school that we believe in, that we think will do a better job of educating our children, et cetera. So basically diverting the same funds that are already in existence to another place that can be used at the parents' direction is the idea. Right. Okay. And that would, have, that would take a constitutional, as you said yesterday on the radio, that would take a constitutional amendment. So after we do the ballot measure, we have to go back and do um, a constitutional amendment and initiative to do that, which we can do under Article 18. So that, that's another process to get this going, or are you being told something different? Yeah, I know, you, I know we, we discussed that briefly yesterday, and I think I'm, you know, I think I used the word amendment at one point, which I, I was a misspeak. From what I've been told, and you know, I'm, I'm not the legal or constitutional legal authority on this, but from what I've been told is that the way that it's been structured, because the funds would be put into an educational savings account versus being directly given to, say, because the, the challenge you know, that you're bringing up is that right now the Constitution says that the state cannot fund religious schools. And so the, the way that, at least from what I'm being told, that the, this gets around this, so you wouldn't have to amend that part of the Constitution, is that by putting the funds into the educational savings account versus giving it directly to the school and then having it flow through that account to the school allows them to get around having to amend that portion of the Constitution. How do you, how do you get around the legislative body not, con- not controlling that? How do you get around the legislative body not controlling the bank account? Well, the so if this ballot measure passes, this would supersede, you know, legislative you know, legislation that's been done before that that would, you know, contradict or counter that. And so that, that would take an amendment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Very. All good. right. Thanks for calling thanks in. For we appreciate call, it. Thank you. All right. Uh, so that's uh, there's well, a, there's a lot to it. There, there's a lot there, to unpack there really here. is. Yeah, but yeah, that's why I need more time to kind of look it over and study it a little bit. We have plenty of time till November of next year. It's a whole year, uh, you know. Like but I, say, I think this kind of opens it up whether you go with this or what that people can I think see. Op- yeah, to yeah. that there is people that are interested in making a change and changing our educational system because of our children and well, grandchildren and who it's starting. It's starting the conversation. At least, and yeah. that's where you're at here, I think. And I think there's more than one stage. I mean, you got the petition stage. You you got to get to the ballot. You got to get the election, and it's got to pass. You know, then then you know. So there's there's several pieces of the puzzle here. Yeah, um, and what you know, what I would encourage. You know, I know a number of people are, and and we talked about this yesterday. You know, saying you know I'm not in support of what the state is doing, and so I'm going to protest or go to rallies. And I think that's an excellent part of the puzzle. But we also need to be engaging in the reforming the system and taking political action. And so this is a really practical way to, if you're, if you're upset about where the schools are, whether it's because that you haven't seen your kids coming and learning what, 
what you want them to or because of the vaccines or anything in between. This is a way to take specific and practical action uh, now that actually could have an effect on the state and on, you know, generations. I I think you're absolutely spot on. I also think that because of the seriousness of this uh, and and the uh, information that's coming in on the vaccine, this could be the catalyst that, you know, these public schools think that the parents need them. And by law, they have to go there. And I'm I'm telling you, they're, they're going to find out real quick that, that they're going to be pulling their funds. Because all these people that are not going to go to school, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm the first one out the door. But there's a ton of people behind me that are going out the door, too, that are not going to go to these public schools where they have to do what they're told. There's no input. You know, they have no uh, say over the curriculum. You know, I mean, the whole- I, th- I think this kind of it's opening the eyes for the parents or whoever's involved in the kids right. education, too, is before you just kind of send them to school, you you took it that they were going to be well taken care of and well, they were being taught the things that we wanted them to be taught. And we kind of backed out of the system. Well, the real deal is that these guys have overrun the parents' authority to the point of stupidity. Well, well, but I'm saying now the, the parents are looking into it right. and, and getting more involved. Well, the, and that's what we need as the people to get more involved in not only absolutely. the educational system, many Many layers of the, well, the, the government. The, yeah, the arrogance of these people yeah. to say that you're going to learn whatever we want to teach your kids. That is, I mean, that's totalitarian crap right there, man. When you don't have any say in what they're teaching your kids, I mean, you got a you got a bigger problem than yeah. the school, and that is. Uh, but it has to be addressed, and that's why yeah. there's these steps if you want to do it legally, morally, and ethically. Uh, because the other side of that is if it goes too far, then it gets ugly. I mean, it might get violent. I, I don't advocate that at all. I mean, anybody with a brain in their head shouldn't be advocating that. But I don't think that these people that th- think they're in charge of everything. They think they're untouchable. They understand how the system actually works. It works when the people let it work. In other words, if you're going to teach my kid something I don't want them to know, and enough people get together and say, we're not doing it. It's kind of like the recall effort. Everybody's in this county's going, we're not doing it. You know, it's the vaccines, we're not doing it. And, and they're doing that now. That's what I'm saying. So starting to. they don't understand that without the consent of the governed, the whole thing's going to fall apart right. on them. And so we need to shore it up. So that's, that's yeah. what I wanted to have here. But it's kind of crazy right now. You look around and you go, "What the hell is going on?" What, it's this is so easy to fix. Why don't they listen to the parents? Why don't they listen to the people whose kids are going to their school? I mean, it's really easy to fix this, but they're not going to. They have gotten so arrogant in their power positions and their in their unions and their, their government overreach that that I, I hope. So, that- so one of my questions would be with what's going on right now, and everybody's pulling their kids out. What happens with the money? Well, we... They, you you they, know they, what I mean? Does it stop getting allocated if there's no kids in the schools? No. Well, some of, the, some of the funding is tied to attendance, right? And so there are right. certain, uh, you know, over the course of a school year, they have to report attendance and that gets linked to a portion of the funding. I don't believe it's all of the funding. So, yeah, if if, if you know... 50% or even 20% were to leave, there, that could have an impact on the funds that flow to that particular school. Uh, it's not that those would be reapportioned to others, you know, like a private school, for example, but but it would 
the, they would lose their funding. Some of their funding. Well, yeah. that's part yeah. of this whole yeah. problem with this emergency and everything else. Because, you know, I, I don't think what they understand down in their little ivory tower in Sacramento or wherever they're at is that if people all leave the state, what do you think is going to happen to your funding? You know, I mean, if all the businesses leave the state, what's going to happen to your right. funding? If all the kids decide, I would rather go to Tennessee or Florida or something, what's going to happen to your funding? What's well, and that's, you know, California is in a somewhat perilous uh, fiscal position because, yeah. you know, 1% of the population, I believe, and, and this number might not be exactly right, but it's somewhere in, in, in the neighborhood of accounting for 40% of the personal income tax revenue. And so, and, and because California, uh, you know, has capped property taxes with, I think it was Proposition 13, 13 yeah. right? Yeah. So they're trying to get rid of that too, by the way. Right. So, yeah. um, and but b- because of that, most of the state's income comes from personal income right. taxes. And so, if if the wealthy leave the state, our state, and as at the same time that our government is increasing its expenditures, it's already and its happening. Programs. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Elon yeah. Musk. I mean, Toyota went out of here. And, and and why would you not move to Nevada or or you know wherever where there's no state income tax at all? I mean, why would you stay here in California? And I know people that are leaving in droves. I mean, so it's, uh, it's, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, we're, we're in crazy town. <laughs> it's definitely unbalanced. That's for sure. Right. You know, and I, and I, I mean, I, I was born in California. We grew up in California. California, in my opinion, I used to brag when I was in the service that I'd never leave California. It was the best state in the union, geographically, everything. I mean, we got beaches, we got mountains, places to ski. You know, there's rivers and fishing That's- and cities and San Francisco. Now it's like, you know, I'm for the first time in my life this last couple of years questioning the fact whether I even want to stay here. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, as I was traveling uh, up and down the state uh, during this gubernatorial campaign, we would ask people like, what do you love about California? And as you know, people listed the same things. People love California. They don't want to have to move to Texas or Tennessee or Florida, but they're feeling forced to like they have no choice. And that's the sad thing is because people really want to be here. And, you know, it is a special state and a special part of you know what makes this country an amazing place to live. But unfortunately, policies that are driving people out of the state. Yeah, because you can't do anything. I mean, you can't enjoy it. And, and the real deal because is of the government and all the are, overreaches. These are, these are Marxist policies that they're implementing. I mean, all you got to do is really simple. You know, I did this early on, like 25, 30 years ago. Pull up the, the Constitution on one side of the TV, put the, put the Communist Manifesto, 10 platforms, 10, 10 uh, amendments, and then see which one we're following. I mean, it's real. It, you go, hey, how come we're following all this stuff on that side and not this side? And it becomes instantly uh, enlightening because you go, we've been fed a light of crap. You know, we're, and, and people disengaged. They got lazy there for a while. Yeah. We we were comfortable. Let's right. all admit it. We were comfortable for a lot of years. Well, you know the old boiling the frog slowly thing. There's a little bit to that. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but I think people are starting to wake up more and more. Yeah. You got the teachers. You got the healthcare workers. You got, and this is going across the board, not just California. I, I do want to play one last video. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add? Be, we got about four minutes. I got. One last video. It's about two, about three minutes. So, have you got anything to add? Contact anything else that we want to talk about before we get there? 
Well, yeah, no, I just love to encourage people if this is something that you're interested in, that you're passionate about, you know, we're seeing uh, a number of people volunteer and say, I want to do something to help my kids, my grandkids, you know, the kids in the community, right? Um, go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org slash join, sign up. We need more volunteers. You know, we're going to need people to collect signatures, to attend events. We're going to be visiting uh, private schools, churches, and, and would love well, to have you we, join the team. We have a big team of people that we can tap into as soon as we vetted enough to go, hey, I'm on board with that. And 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 I think that will and, happen. And maybe we can state. have you back in the future or somebody else. And, and more information yeah. and updates to yeah. where it's going and, and so people understand the process. I more. want Eli Absolutely. to to, to uh, pull up that Thanks for coming in. calamitous suppression of early CV treatment, uh, Dr. Uh, Pierre Corey on Hunter's Watchdog. And we want to play the first couple of three minutes of that before we're done here uh, to go out on, just because I think that, uh, you know, this is all kind of interrelated, what we're talking about. We wouldn't even have a problem with our schools if they were listening to us. You know, this whole vaccine politicized, it seems like we're getting everything politicized. And, and it's just really sad that, you know, we don't actually, um, as a free people, uh, it's the guy in the middle right there. Yeah, that guy goes, go read more. Uh, yeah, there you go. And then play that. Play uh, about, it's about two two minutes, 51 seconds of that. So we should be real close. But uh, yeah, we need, no. need sound. We got sound? No sound. No. Huh. He's working at it. Talking there we go. A cure. That's what he called it. Uh, for early treatment, ivermectin. Talking about that in no uncertain terms, he is one of the top critical care and pulmonary lung doctors, dual specialty uh, in the country. He is Dr. Pierre Corey. Dr. Uh, Pierre Corey, thank you for joining us today on usawatchdog.com. Thanks for having me, Greg. Looking forward to talking. Well, listen, let's start with just the, I think you called it a miracle drug that people who invented uh, ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for this. Uh, there's been four billion doses given uh, out uh, globally, human doses. Uh, ivermectin is it the miracle drug for early treatment that that uh, that people like yourself are saying it is? It it should people know that? And, and it absolutely is. I mean, in, in, in multiple examples of real world evidence, it, it's showing what I had said was that it had a miraculous effects. And everybody said I called it a miracle drug. I will tell you, there's been papers written on it for years as a wonder drug because of its safety and its efficacy in multiple diseases. But it holds up in COVID. I mean, you know, my favorite example, Greg, and, and, and this is what's so tragic about what's going on in the world is that the northern state of India, right, Uttar Pradesh, a population of 241 million people, in September, their health officials started doing interviews, reporting on the results of their campaign there. They've effectively eradicated the disease from a population of 241 million people with a program that was lauded by many meaning they use 70,000 healthcare workers, went across the state rapidly testing, visiting 97,000 villages, and anyone positive got a treatment kit. And in that kit, it contained ivermectin. All of the healthcare workers traveling throughout the state and in the hospitals were taking ivermectin regularly. And any household of a positive case 
got ivermectin in prevention. And after months of doing that, since that surge in April and May, they now, in their last two and a half million tests, had 201 positives, which is a positivity rate of 0.004%, which is effectively zero. You know, in 67 of 75 districts in that state, not one active case. That would be like us reporting 40 states in this country did not have one active case. Could you imagine that? In this country, 40 states wow. not having one active case? That's good I enough mean, right that's there. What they achieved. It's, it's Thanks, Eli. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. And I talked a little bit yesterday, and, you know, we talked about my friend in, in Montana, BD. He's in the hospital right now. He's got COVID. They're having to smuggle in ivermectin because they've outlawed it. Now, what's going on? It, it just, you just have to go, what is going on? So with that said, I'd like to uh, thank Matt Plummer for coming in. Uh, we're, we're at the end yeah, of the show. Yeah, we're at the end of the show. Stay brave. That's all yep. i got to say. We're Have done. a great Thanks, week everyone. and get out there and uh, help support the healthcare workers and stuff today. They're down at the Sundial Bridge. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. All right. All right. Have we're a good done. week.